Welcome to the Wittenberg Hour. O Lord, how shall I meet you? How welcome you aright. Your people long to greet you. My hope, my heart's delight. O kindle, Lord most holy, your lamp within my breast, to do in spirit lowly all that may please you best. Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Hour, where we explore big questions and discuss that which endures by means of that which has endured that scholars may endure. My name is Jocelyn Benson, and I serve as head teacher of Wittenberg Academy. How do the hymns of the church year, especially the hymns at the beginning of the church year, guide and order our days? What have they to teach us about the Christian life? Joining us today to discuss the hymns of the last Sundays of the church year and Advent is Conter Thomas Locke. Conter Locke teaches music for Wittenberg Academy. Conter Locke, thank you for being with us today. You're welcome. We open the church year with Advent, and you've already brought to mind for us many connections between the two. You know, we kind of have to think of the church year as a circle rather than a line because it it just flows from from the end to the beginning. And our hymnody really, as you've pointed out, really brings us through that. So the traditional hymn of the day for the four Sundays of Advent are in order Savior of the nations come, lo, he comes with clouds descending, hark, a thrilling voice is sounding, and O come, O come, Emmanuel. How do these hymns, just as we pondered with the end of the church year, how do these hymns in Advent at the beginning of the church year help us order our days, and what have they to teach us? about the Christian life. The first Sunday in Advent, Ate Levavi, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Well, we lift up our soul, and what are we crying out? Savior of the nations, come. Uh, this is um, a hymn by Martin Luther, uh, based upon a text by uh, St. Ambrose of Milan. We often think of Ambrose as being the father of Latin hymnody. Well, Luther is really the father of Lutheran hymnody or German hymnody. So we have these two people involved very closely. Uh, I don't know Latin. I can't tell you how close, but I think Luther, from what I've heard before, stayed fairly close to Ambrose's text. Uh, The uh, tune by Johann Walter Luther's Cantor is an adaption of the chant that was used uh, for the Ambrose uh, text, the Winning Redemptor Gentium. So come, Redeemer of the Gentiles. Uh, this is just a great hymn to start because it's it's saying many of the same things we just said, but now we're into a different time period. We're in a time of penitence. We're looking now for his coming. And here is where, you know, sometimes we have to throw our mind outside of present time because in Advent, we're, we're, at, we're looking ahead to the coming of Christ in the manger, his first coming. Uh, we emphasize 
uh, as we go through here throughout the text. Then stepped forth the Lord of all from his pure and kingly hall. God of God, yet fully man, his heroic course began. Uh, God the Father was his source. Back to God he ran his course. Into hell his robe went down. Back then to his throne and crown. So we're seeing, and we have to remind ourselves, when he goes into hell, that's not humiliation. He goes down there to proclaim his resurrection and the victory over Satan. But, you know, this is similar uh, to the church, but it's a hero's journey that we're talking about. And the German tune name, Nun kam der Heiden Highland. And if my German's not great, but if I'm not mistaken, it's Savior in there and Highland the nation. But then it's also, you know, similar to the word for hero, which is held it in German. Uh, so you've got all these things uh, kind of working through here. But again, this is proclamation in, in its purest form. It were, it's prayer at the beginning, but then the rest of it is primarily proclamation. That it's not, as we know from John 1, not of human flesh and blood that he comes or that anybody is in faith, but it's through the Spirit's work, the Word of God made flesh, uh, the woman's offspring or woman's seed, which again links us back to Genesis. For you have the promise that the seed of the woman would be the one to defeat the devil. Not seed of man, because man, the sin passes from one man to his children. So if it was through, say, Joseph, then Jesus would be a sinner. But it's a seed of a woman, the virgin, pure and fresh, that it comes. You talk seed and you talk woman to um, people who are in biology and the sciences, and they just go crazy. There's no such thing. It is a miracle. Right. And that is what we have here to confess. What a great thing we have here. Uh, and then it, then it points again as you get further in here. You are the Father, Son, who in the flesh that victory won. I think of, uh, again, growing up, we always thought of Good Friday as Sad Friday. That's just how I grew up thinking about it. We didn't have in our hymnal at that mm -hmm. time the hymn, uh, Sing My Tongue, the Glorious Battle. Sing the ending of the fray. Right. Uh, where Good Friday is seen as also the victory. But we have this, who in the flesh, the victory won, the cross and the resurrection. And through that made all of our ills of flesh and soul, made them whole. We are healed, we're forgiven. And then it has this little glimpse into Christmas from the manger, newborn light, shines in glory through the night. Darkness there no more resides. In this light, faith now abides. So we have, so we are to live in faith in this Savior, the one from eternity who also took, became man, took on our flesh and blood, uh, so that He could die for us, so that He could save us, and so that we would always cherish then His coming. And in this case, we're speaking primarily of his first coming in the flesh. 
even as we wait in penitence and hope for his coming again in glory. Now, this this may have been intentional, but it may have just come through naturally. You you use the phraseology. You, we have this this kind of this tiny sliver, this tiny glimpse of Christmas in stanza seven, and that kind of puts the kibosh on this whole idea that Advent is just this four-week baby shower for Jesus. Yeah, it, well, yeah, there are others who know the development of the church here far better than I do. But it is a time of, of preparation for that, but it's not only the time of that. And it's not something... Uh, right. We, we're not singing Christmas hymns in our service. We have that pressure being pastor and uh, church musician. I, I get that pressure all the time, and it's like, no, you don't bring out the Easter lilies on Good Friday. You know, you wait. This is a time of waiting. From what I hear, that is what the blue is supposed to mean. Uh, although the, uh, like I say, violet is historic uh, color for that. But it's it's a time of waiting. I think of the uh, movie Casablanca. You've got these people gathered. They're trying to get away from the Germans in all manners. And you get this one person saying, waiting, waiting, waiting. And, of course, he's waiting with no hope. He doesn't figure he's going to get out. We wait with hope and faith. Right. Because we know how the story ends. And Savior of the Nations come, as you rightly pointed out. It It is even as it gives us, again, the words to pray while we wait, it also tells us that the victory has has been won, which is fantastic. So, Savior of the Nations Come opens Advent. Then the second Sunday of Advent, we have, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. Yes, and here we it's almost like we're back at the end of the church here. Right, right. Because now we're, we're speaking of this, of uh, the coming of Christ in glory. And this hymn has um, some interesting aspects to it. It is one that's very descriptive. Uh, let's just say it describes uh, how that coming is to be, uh, what we will see. Uh, it, it describes what happens to those who don't believe in Christ, um, those who have uh, uh, persecuted him, those those who have uh, sold, pierced, and nailed Christ to the tree. And we got to remember, all of us sinners did that. Right. But those who believe in Christ have the forgiveness that flows out from that. He took our sinfulness, gave us forgiveness. He took all the junk of our life, all the unrighteousness, and gives us righteousness so that we are no longer part of that crowd that's going to be wailing. This is a hymn that describes it. It doesn't really proclaim or make a prayer of this. So you can tell it's not Lutheran by nature. Uh, the... Um, and sometimes, um, you know, other hymns are often recommended for this day. 
uh, for instance, O Savior in uh, the heavens, or the bridegroom soon will call us. You know, they don't 100% fit the text, but we do have uh, some things we should say about this. This is a uh, text is from Charles Wesley, younger brother of John Wesley, who, of course, as we know, um, uh, founded, as it were, the uh, Methodist Church. Uh, the tune Helmsley, uh, we have it now in a grand tune. I mean, the tune is just fantastic. Right. Let's be honest. Uh, Ralph Vaughan Williams, uh, one of the most noted English composers of the last century or so, he took what was really a flippant type of tune, uh, really quick, and had all kinds of little and and he made it into this noble uh, tune. Uh, the hard part then is actually singing it, because those are awfully long lines. Yes. But if you sing it too fast, then you lose the character of the hymn. But we do have one thing. The people who put together the hymn, though, they did do one really good thing on this hymn. In the original text, uh, the second line, uh, well, let me just pull up the... Uh, so in the original text, it had, Lo, he comes with clouds descending, once for favored sinners slain. Ah. Now, John Wesley was not one of these, uh, he was not like one of these that have limited atonement. But that wording was very unfortunate. Yeah. And actually, that's the wording you hear in most recordings. So we changed it to every, uh, he died for every sinner, just to get rid of any doubt. Right. Uh, like I said, this is similar to the end of the church here. It looks to Revelation 7. And the main thing is he is coming. And, you know, I guess the preaching aspect would be understood. Which crowd do you want to be in? The ones who are wailing or the ones singing Alleluia? Right. The repetition in now i'm i'm looking at it in my hymnal and so it's on the mm -hmm. second page you know when you get to the second page of of the hymn that that repetition is i'm i'm trying to 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 find the words that that describe how that strikes me but that that repetition does something as you're going through all of the notes and the distinction between the Alleluia and the deeply wailing and the the with what rapture and then back to the Alleluia. And then you have, you know, after the repetition in each stanza, you have this very strong statement to end the stanza. Right. It is a point of emphasis. He's, that's what he is really aiming for it in each stanza. And so, you know, our prayer is that Christ would come again and take up that kingdom, which already is his, as he is already on his throne. He not only reigns, but he shall reign, and he alone. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, the picture, see, you know, English, I think, are very good at pictures. Germans are very good at proclamation i think yeah. and this is generalities i mean you right, know so don't, of course. don't get all upset <laughs> right, right 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 no but, but, you know, the picture that we get 
you know, we're gazing on his glorious scars, those scars that no longer bleed, but now are, are just something we see. And they say, well, this is him, definitely him. And now they are glory, even as we shall be in glory. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, I got bad eyesight. You know, not that I'm going to, you know, be recognized by bad eyesight in heaven. But you know what? I won't need my glasses in heaven. Right. Uh, we will, but, So we will see him as he is, as he is robed. Those dear tokens of his passion, those are things we look at and we marvel that he has done this. But like I said, they don't, they're not bleeding anymore. They're not open wounds. They're just something, they show us what he has done and how much he loved us. And still loves us. Absolutely. So we go from low, he comes with clouds descending, and then we come to the third Sunday of Advent, which for churches using violet, we have rose on the altar then, and we sing, hark, a thrilling voice is sounding. Fun hymn, all uh, right. You know, a great hymn. Uh, sometimes I use the wrong words for that, but the uh, it is a great. You know, I do have fun. Even those who use uh, blue will use often use the rose uh, color on this day, uh, which I always have fun with that. You know, because the uh, it's supposed to be a lightning of the violet. You just lighten it up, right? And then we go from blue to light blue. No, we go to rose. Uh, Pastor Cheryl makes that point all the time here. (laughs) Anyway, uh, this is a Latin uh, text. Uh, We really don't know who wrote it. So it's by that famous writer, Anonymous. Right. (laughs) Yes. Uh, (laughs) But it, it is from somewhere in the 5th to 10th century A.D., uh, so that really narrows it down. We really do not know where this comes from. Uh, it's a great uh, text. Uh, it speaks of John the Baptist as that voice. You know, we see hark a thrilling voice is crying. That thrilling voice is John. Uh, and then you could, by extension, you know, think of all preachers, but it's primarily about John. And uh, Luther uh, pointed out that John was the finger that pointed to Christ, the Lamb of God. It is a great, great text. I'm just going to pull it up really quickly here. Um, yeah, Christ is near. All right. You know, not only are we closer to Christmas, it's only probably a, a week and a half or so away at this point. Uh, maybe less, maybe a little bit more, but we are closer one day to Christ coming again. Uh, so that, but we have here really the sounding of John. Christ is near, even as he said, there's the Lamb of God, but he's also proclaiming, cast away the works of darkness. You know, do the works of penitence, uh, you know, as John was declaring. All you children of the day, but you know, when we think of it, you know, you see John, and it's like, you know, we think we're always going around in decent clothes.
clothes or at least, you know, somewhat decent clothes. He's there in camel hair. <laughs> right. Uh, and people think he's crazy. Uh, but, but, uh, but he is still, he is that message of repentance for us, but also in faith, uh, for Christ is near us. We're, and we're always startled. You know, remember, you know, Christ will come again like a thief in the night. So we're startled, um, as he, as he comes. So we are to, uh, put off our sloth. Remember, this is, a Latin text, so you, you're thinking, you know, probably some monk somewhere is writing this. Now, remember, they were getting up at all hours, day and night, uh, for their worship. Put off the sloth, uh, go and worship. Uh, but see that lamb so long expected. So it's, it's, you know, the hymn is, you know, every now and then like this, it's putting us back into that time as if we were living before Christ was born. You know, that, but, or in this case, living at the time and seeing John proclaim, there is the Lamb. Uh, he is the one who's coming with pardon. Uh, so let us haste the tears of sorrow, one and all, to be forgiven. And in this hymn, now we have all three of the comings uh, being declared, whether we see it or not. Obviously, it's talking about Christ coming in Bethlehem. Obviously, you know, in some of this, it's talking about a second coming. Come with tears now and be forgiven. Remember, this is John the Baptist. You know, come, you know, we're, we're, we already have received forgiveness in his baptism, but we are now also receiving it in the words of absolution, in the body and the blood. Uh, so that is... You know, some would say, well, I'm looking at this with Lutheran eyes. Guilty. <laughs> yes. And then when he comes in glory, the world is wrapped in fear, but he will shield us with his mercy and draw us near in love. And thus we sing honor, glory, might, dominion to the Holy Trinity. And that song continues forever. Now there is, that is what I was going to speak about on the text of this, but there is something interesting musically in this hymn. The uh, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has had three official English hymnody, hymnals. First one was TLH, second one was LW, third one LSB. These are official adopted hymnals of, of our synod. Well, in each of these hymnals, we have a different tune for this text. That is just amazing. I never grew up singing this hymn uh, in my little uh, country church or, you know, out in the small town. Uh, it's just one of the hymns we didn't sing. And I never played it with the old TLH, which would have been what we were using. Played it a lot of times with LW. And uh, I have sung it in the LSB. Uh, you know, and this... Here is my opinion, but the weakest of the tunes we have actually is LSB. Uh, it, it's hmm. yeah, the tune. It's, I have all this set here, but now I put things in my way. I am sitting at the organ. I'm not going to play full volume or anything for you. And it's a broad English tune, a Merton 
written by William Monk. Uh, I'm let me try and make this so I don't overpower any speakers. LW, the one that I know better, and actually the one the congregation here still uses. on this one. Uh, I have not played this before, uh, but it has the same character almost as what we had from LW. Those are the three tunes that we've had for the same hymn in my lifetime. Uh, and you know, anybody, you know, they can make up their own mind, which they think. Uh, the uh, LSB is a sweet uh, sounding hymn. Uh, I, you know, uh, I'm just not sure about the marriage between text and tune. Uh, the other two seem to get it a little bit better. Uh, but Use whatever uh, works. This is a great hymn, no matter what you use with this. I really appreciate the distinctions that you point out in the tunes. And this is something that sometimes we as laymen don't think about, but is really actually very important in terms of the the marriage, as you point out, between tune and text in terms of how the the text is proclaimed to us. It's not just an afterthought. It's it's an important piece of the whole hymn. Well, I, I learned it even before going to River Forest, but then learned it really well at River Forest, uh, studying with uh, Hillert, Schalk, and a number of others. Uh, that you need three things for a great hymn. You need a, a great theologically sound and yet a, you know, a great um, moving text. You need a great tune and you need a great marriage between the two. Uh, if one of those is not good, the hymn is going to be a little less than it would have been. Absolutely. 
So then we come to the final Sunday of Advent. And depending on how the Sundays fall in the church year, uh, regrettably, <laughs> some churches uh, almost skip this one, you know, it, depending on where where Christmas falls. But it's so very important. And it brings to us, it gives us, not that we can't sing these hymns at other times, but but I just, I love how the the church year and the tradition of the church year has given us these hymns at appointed times and the hymn appointed for the the final sunday of advent is the beloved o come o come emmanuel uh, a great uh hymn for rorate Celi. Uh, drop down ye heavens. So we're, we're the uh, the whole theme of the day is this righteousness coming down. Uh, if I remember right in the the uh, the psalm this comes for, from, it has the line righteousness and mercy have kissed, and that's talking about Christ in the womb. Uh, if I remember that all correctly, I did not uh, look that up beforehand, but that's what I do recall off the top of my head. Uh, so anybody can tell me I'm wrong. Uh, but anyway, these are uh, these antiphons are the, are the basis of the old antiphons. And actually, we include those in LSB uh, right next to the hymn. LW had it, but you had to know where to look for it in LW. Uh, here it's right next to the hymn uh, where you have the O antiphons. Now, these were to be antiphons. Uh, to the Magnificat uh, in the uh, Vesper service, uh, or, or as we would now have it, either Vespers or evening prayer. And uh, we've used them incorrectly uh, just to be able to use them. Uh, as uh, And we've used them as the antiphon for the psalm, uh, mea culpa. But that's, I was just trying to get them in on the Wednesdays uh, when we have that. But we... Now I think we usually use um, uh, evening prayer, which has a Magnificat that has a um, a re sung refrain uh, by the congregation. Then it has chant either by choir or congregation. We do it with congregation. But I'm thinking, you know what, I could uh, sing the appropriate antiphon uh, from using that same chant. And if I remember right, that might, that, that's uh, Paul Grimm's chant. I, uh, I'm doing this again from memory. Uh, but um, I could set that. And then we could go into the rest of the Magnificat. And then I could close with the with the uh, antiphon again. Uh, antiphon, it's sounding from a different place. Um, uh, so these are great. So the, you know, the antiphons are usually sung by a group that's not the same group that is singing the whole Magnificat. Uh, anyway, the, the uh, these are for the the days December seventeenth through twenty third, uh, the last uh, week of 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 Advent. Uh, and you know, if you'll notice, you have you know, if you open up your hymnal to it, you'll notice that they're not in the same order. Right. Uh, that's fine. The translator of this was John Mason Neal, uh, one of the great English translators, along with Catherine Winkworth. Uh, 
uh, uh, Neil did a lot of Latin and Greek. Uh, so if we've got Latin or Greek hymnody uh, in our hymnal, more often than not, uh, John Mason Neal was the translator. If we've got a German hymn, more often than not, Catherine Winkworth was the translator of that. Um, but then, uh, then you, the uh, this is a French tune. Um, so the um, uh, if you you know, I'm not going to go through all of these, or we'd be here forever. We've already been here a while. But if you go through these, you'll notice that the hymn text and the O antiphons don't match up exactly. Well, you know, it's a hard thing translating. And they're not, like I said, they're not in order. But the thing is, is now this is both proclamation and prayer. The prayer through here always is, O come, O come, O come, O come. Uh, and then we address him by his name. Um, you know, O come, Emmanuel, ransom, captive Israel, ransom your church that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. But always, every stanza now, we have this. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Uh, so this him it, it puts us back in that time where we're waiting for Christ to come, but it also speaks to us now. Um, and it, it absolutely, I mean, using all of these different terminologies from the Old Testament, Emmanuel, wisdom, uh, Lord of might, uh, or Adonai, uh, branch uh, of Jesse's stem, otherwise known as root of Jesse's stem, depending on translations, key of David, a day spring, a desire of the nations. All of these, uh, and that's a that one's a little interesting, but it does because uh, if you look at December twenty seventh, it says, "O King of the Nations," and here we have Desire of the Nations. But then it does get in the text to, "And be thyself our King of Peace." So we're calling upon all this deliverance, um, make us uh, show us the path, may. And uh, when, you know, when it uses wisdom, that comes from Proverbs. In uh, Proverbs, or English translations, we, we always say something like, wisdom has built her house. Well, the, the choice of her is very interesting because it's, it's just personifying an idea when you say, oh, wisdom. Uh, the wisdom actually pertains to God. And we're not talking her. The word for wisdom is uh, the, the gender of the word is feminine. So they translated the accompanying pronoun as feminine. And you know, like I say, that takes away from what Proverbs is saying there. And we think of this, this mystical wisdom that's floating out there. No, it's talking about God. And you can debate right. then upon which which. Uh, which member of the Holy Trinity is talking about him. Uh, but here we're obviously using it for Christ. Uh, many, many years ago, I can't even remember the speaker. I think I knew who the speaker was, but I wouldn't. Uh, I think it was Austin Loveless, uh, who was a musician out in Denver. I, you know, uh, He just died a few years ago. He's not Lutheran at all. 
but he would say, and I think, like I said, I think it was him. But anyway, this person would say they would go uh, as the church musician to each of the Bible classes every Sunday and just come in and go, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And, and, you know, he'd do the first rejoice, and then they would join in with him on the rest. Uh, uh, not a bad practice. Uh, not We can't always do such things, but he did. Uh, but this is, so we're, we're waiting, we're waiting, but yet we're waiting and rejoicing because we know he is coming. And this hymn, as it takes us through these great O antiphons gives us the all the different reasons that we rejoice not just and and not just is probably <laughs> poor wording um but but thinking about because we don't we don't ever want to talk about you know in relation to god you know just yeah. whatever I know. but <laughs> But but thinking about the ways that that Jesus comes to us, that you have shown us come through these hymns so many times, this one in particular brings out all of these, I don't know if you'd call them attributes or what or how we would kind of you know categorize them but all of these different reasons for rejoicing we see these in in all of the stanzas as they come through in uh in these antiphons it's quite fantastic and amazing yes uh one thing that comes to mind here uh you know, facebook can be a bane or a blessing at times uh, recently I've been in you know, just a huge debate with somebody and finally got to theology on something. And this person said, well, uh, the Old Testament was written by God, but the New Testament was written by Jesus. It's like, no! No! no. <laughs> <laughs> it is the same. No, that's these, not good. These are Old Testament names for Christ. Uh, right. Whether they come from Isaiah or anywhere else or Proverbs, these are the names that we were given uh, that Christ would be, uh, just as he calls himself, you know, the door or the gate. These are actually in Old Testament. You look through, you can find these names for Christ. It is the same Bible, uh, the same author throughout. Right. Front to back, yes. the whole thing. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no exception or, uh, or anything like that. Correct. So, in thinking about the hymns of the the church year, they really, as you and I, and I love the imagery that you gave us, you know, a lot of times when we think about Advent, the the figure that we think about is John the Baptist pointing to Jesus. And I love 
how you brought that imagery of the pastor as being the watchman in Wake Awake for Night is Flying, as the pastor pointing, you know, calling to the people and pointing to Jesus, all of these hymns from the end of the church year and the beginning of the church year, and I would reckon all throughout the church year, but the mark of a good hymn is that it points us to Jesus, just like John the Baptist did, just like our pastors do. All of these hymns that we've discussed today very clearly point us to Jesus. Indeed. Indeed. Well, these are fantastic hymns. This is a fantastic time. And uh, being in the time we live, I think we we understand these hymns just a little more poignantly. And the more we learn about them, uh, the more they can help shape us. Um, uh, there are times as a pastor, it's like, oh, what exactly am I going to preach on? I, you know, this text, there's too much here. And sometimes right. you know, look at the hymns and see what they proclaim. And that's a pretty good guide, too. Uh, and that's not my own story. That was Pastor Bender's story at one point uh, from Wisconsin uh, many, many years ago. But the, that is something. But, yes, you know, it's the pastors are to proclaim and point to Christ just as the Holy Spirit. His job is to point us to Christ. And he uses the differing means. And in this case, he's using uh, the pastor, his words. And, and always the pastor has to remember, sir, we would see Jesus. Amen. Amen. Conterlock, thank you so much for being with us today. It has been a fantastic journey through these hymns. Well, it is my pleasure and my honor. Thank you, Jocelyn. Thank you for joining us today for the Wittenberg Hour. Be sure to subscribe to the Wittenberg Hour so as to not miss an episode. If you would like to learn more about Wittenberg Academy, please visit our website at wittenbergacademy.org. You can like and follow Wittenberg Academy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next time on the Wittenberg Hour.